Okay, everybody, listen up. This is Easter. Shuttles and golf carts in the parking lot. Now, has everyone in here, staff or volunteer, shared our graphically designed Easter invitation on their personal Instagram? This is for the kingdom. Who is trimming these hedges? A youth intern? For heaven's sakes. No, we don't have ministry time. We do have a petting zoo outside, though. And connect cards, connect cards, connect cards. Do we have the right mixture of haze in the fog machine? I mean, we don't need new members, but did we get the rose petals in the visitor parking spaces? We are pro-Jesus and pro-Easter Bunny. Donuts, check. Coffee, check. Make sure we have gluten-free communion, fat-free communion, Whole30 communion, vegan communion, paleo communion, non-GMO communion. Honestly, everybody needs to keep their phones out because I will be saying some very tweetable quotes this morning. The Easter basket is full, but the tomb is empty. He can put your life back together when it is in pieces, and some of y'all are still focused on Reese's. We need more diversity up on that stage. This is Easter. No, the youth pastor cannot do announcements. What about that one minority guy that came one time? Can we get him to do announcements? We don't want any visitor to feel uncomfortable in any way at any time, but we will ask him to fill out a connect card with their children's names and ages. I don't care what size the stage is, Becky. I need a rapper up there, a full choir, and six men dressed as Roman centurions. Why would you even ask about the worship set list? It's Jesus paid it all, Christ alone, Christ is risen. Can we just, can we get that other worship leader that's a little bit more attractive? This is the best great team we have. Who trained these people? For one Sunday, please, can you just not be weird? Can we put her at the auxiliary door? Quit your ministry, move these people out of here. We got a service starting in 15 minutes. Make sure all the visitors know that they are under no pressure to give, okay? But we'd love to see them come back, and if they do come back, we're starting a series on giving next week. <laughs> my my 25-year-old daughter sent that to me and said, oh, oh, you need this, Dad. This will be the cherry on top for Easter Sunday. Welcome, good morning. Happy Easter. My name is Tom Kyle, my beautiful wife Randy is in the front row and we have the privilege of serving and I know there's lots of little ones in here, lots of noise that is not going to irritate me. Why? Because I'm a grandpa. It's parents' jobs to be bothered by their children's noise. I just give candy. I give chocolate. Well, I'm not going to share chocolate, but I'll give them candy because the chocolate goes to grandpa. We like that. We do welcome you to Life Church, and so I am really going to try and be, be brief and amazing. Um, operative word was try. Try. Well, yeah, well, that's assumed. Hello. Yeah, refer to him back up on the, on the screen. Easter is, uh, for me, it's... And again, I don't, I don't want to minimize Christmas at all in any way, because it is my favorite holiday of the year. I, I love Christmas. But when I, you know, I just think about, you know, kind of the church calendar and whatnot, it just seems like Easter is it. It is the day. It's legitimate. It's real. And it's, it's just, it's amazing to think that our king would come, hang on a cross, Everyone's hopes are dashed. Everyone's crushed. It didn't work. How could this go wrong? Put him in a tomb, came out of the tomb, and yet remember, he said all that was going to happen. He told his followers multiple times, I'm going to be delivered by evil men, sinful men. I'll be delivered into their hands, and I will 
die, and I will raise on the third day. Somehow they forgot all about it. Why? Because they have dreams. They have hopes. Life is supposed to turn out a certain way. That's what I found is the way life works. But the resurrection, it's, it's legitimate. It's, it's the Christian holiday from my perspective. It's worthy to be celebrated every day. In fact, the Bible says if you don't mention the resurrection and preaching the gospel, you're not actually preaching the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, it wasn't enough. That's how important the resurrection is. It's huge. It's amazing. We, we had a prayer time in the back. And, and again, no, no, nothing disparaging at all, but Muhammad is still in the grave. Buddha is still in the grave. Confucius still in the grave. There's one who rose from the dead, only one. And his name is Jesus. And that gives us hope. Hope, hope, hope. When we think of Easter, and, you know, especially if you talk to children, my, my wife and I had the privilege this morning of FaceTiming with our, our uh, little guys. We have three grandchildren up in Chicago, and uh, I sent gifts way ahead of time. I'm sorry, my wife sent gifts way ahead of time. She's a planner. I participated. I I don't know how, but I'm sure I participated in that. So we're just watching the little guys, and they're, 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 they're above average, and they're opening their gifts, and, and I, I just, I so love it. Every time they opened a gift, you just know it. They say, thank you, Grandy, because that's what they call her, Grandy. Thank you, Grandy. And I'm like, <laughs> and so the next one, Opens the gifts. Oh, thank you, Grandy. I'm still here. <laughs> Hello. And Easter, for so many people, it's all about gifts and Easter egg hunts and pretty dresses and bows if you have hair. It, it, it's just, it, it's just, you wear special clothes maybe that, you know, you're not normally seen anymore. But there's so many things that society has about Easter. And, and I just remember when I, I was six years old, um, my parents, we had just moved back from uh, Paris, France. My, my father was in the military, and we flew back to El Paso, Texas. Don't go. Um, and funny, I just met somebody from El Paso, Texas this week, and he graduated from the same high school. It's just all exciting, and you don't meet many people from El Paso. And I remember we never, ever, 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 ever went to church. We were not a church-going family. We didn't go on Easter. That's how non-churched we were. It just didn't happen. I was six years old, and our, my life was kind of turned upside down. We won't go into that. But I was so excited because we were going to go to an Easter egg hunt, six years old. It was at a golf course. It was the city of El Paso Easter egg hunt. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids and before they started out, they said there was three main prizes. There was an Easter egg that was dyed with the number three. There was an Easter egg that was dyed with the number two. And the grand prize was an Easter egg with a number one dyed on it. And the number three prize was, you know, El Paso gets to be dust-free. I mean, it was some incredible miracle of life. Egg number two was just like a, a carload of chocolate. 
But if you got Easter egg number one, the dyed number one, and there's thousands of these Easter eggs, you would win like Willy Wonka's dream prize. The whole factory times seven. It was just, and they had this table, I'll never forget it, just a table loaded with chocolate. And that was number one. And so they just released us and we calmly just went about. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids on this golf course. I'll never forget it. And we're out and we're scurrying about and my sister tripped me. Or, or I tripped her, I forget. Somebody got tripped. I, and I don't, I, just blurry, that part. But I remember reaching into uh, a hole on a green. I don't remember what number, all you golfers, you know. But I just reached in there and I pulled out this purple egg. And I looked and I was really disappointed because it wasn't plastic, which meant no candy. And I'm like, and I hate hard-boiled eggs. I'm, I mean, I hate them. And my sister wasn't close enough to... So I thought, well, okay. I'll just, and I looked at it and there was a number one on it. <laughs> I, I fell in love with hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> and I knew this couldn't be a deviled egg because that's not Easter. So I took it back and I took it to the front and sure enough, it was verified. This is it. They had photographers. There was newspapers there. They all came out and I'm standing there and I, I, I looked great. I had, I had hair. It was combed. Anybody remember what a pompadour look was? If you're old, just kind of pompadour thing. Taking my picture, and I'm just, I, I don't care about the pictures. I just see Willy Wonka's wildest imagination right over here. So they got my name, got my address, got my, my dad's name, and I don't, my sister got left out of it, praise God, and, and she was somewhere else. Because she probably wasn't going to get any candy, so why let her down gently now? There's no need. You share at Christmas. And so I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I saw three or four people rushing to the front, a little, little girl with three adults, and, and this conversation started off on the side. And all of a sudden, they came over, and they brought my dad over, and they had a further conversation. And they had found an egg that had a really clear number one on it. And my egg had a one on it. But what they determined, my number one was a drip. Perfectly formed drip. And so they looked at it and they said, oh, no problem, this little girl wins. Fortunately, it wasn't my sister. And I just remember, just all of a sudden, I just got shuffled off to the side. And I'm like, but Willy Wonka, that way. And I just remember, now they're taking pictures of the little girl. She wins everything. I didn't, I didn't even get like, a, you know, a little girly basket. All I got was just a, an attaboy, and that was so close. And the good news is I forgot about it, so it doesn't, it didn't traumatize me. It, did, it doesn't even bother me. I, I still eat chocolate because it doesn't bother me. But my birthday, did I mention my birthday? It's coming up. And I mean, I, I can actually give you a list of my favorite chocolates just to make up for that pain. 
But it's so funny what people's memory are of certain events and certain things that happen in life and certain disappointments. And so often what, what I've come across is in life, things don't work out like you had planned. Things haven't worked out like you had hoped. Things, you, you're going to experience something amazing and yet something else intervenes. Something else is interjected. And what you thought was going to be so amazing all of a sudden isn't. And maybe you're like me, maybe you, you see people at the grocery store and they just seem a little down, a little frumpy, a little angry, a little, a little edgy, and you just want to step back away from the cage and think, what happened? And you don't know what disappointment. I'm sure it was much more typically traumatic than a number one on an Easter egg. But things happen to people in life and they get disappointed and they get hurt and things don't work out. And you see people's lives and you're like, I'm so sorry, I have no idea why you feel this way. But something terribly wrong happened. And the resurrection to me is a reminder that what happens in this life isn't the final word. Because there is a man who rose from the dead. Everyone's hopes were dashed. Everyone let down. But this life isn't the final word. It's barely the beginning word. But our life is so busy, it's so crazy, it's so hectic, it's so confusing at times. Whether it's a career, or job, or school, or health, or our money, our car. And there's a funny little scripture, I just want to start with this. There's a funny little scripture that I, I have found so insightful. And the Apostle Paul wrote to his, his son in the faith, Timothy, a young man. And in 2 Timothy 2.8, the scripture says this. This is an older man writing to a younger man. They're both serving the Lord. And the scripture says this. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Remember Jesus. He's in the ministry. He's a pastor. He's a missionary. Why would a a missionary write to another one and say, oh yeah, don't forget about Jesus. That's what you're doing. That's your whole purpose for life. But I think Paul was actually an older gentleman who understood what can happen in life. Whether it's disappointments, frustrations, busyness, distractions, career, money, 401k, upcoming trip to Florida. Not that they vacationed in Florida. It seems silly, even ludicrous, Paul, why would you tell a fellow pastor, a fellow person in the ministry, Timothy, don't forget about Jesus raised from the dead. Don't forget. Remember him. Life is so busy. This morning, I just want to read three quick accounts, three quick texts about four individuals Three of them, their life didn't go as planned. Three of them, their hopes were dashed. Things didn't work out. And as maybe a parent or a grandparent, or if you um, don't have children, you can look around and you can see a young person. Maybe he even looks like you on a good day. <laughs> I told him, son, don't sit in the front row. I will use you. I mean, utilize you. Utilize 
And as a parent, you, you look at your kids and you have hopes and dreams and aspirations. You, as a parent, you, you probably remember the day maybe where you're, you're, you found out the, the little strip thing. Pregnancy test. Pregnancy test. It's a Pregnancy color. I don't know. It's a right color. Blue. And the day that child was born and all the hopes and dreams that you have. And you, you have all these things that's going to be like this. They're going to be a rocket scientist. They're going to be like John Michael Persenio, PhD, nuclear physicist. They're going to be amazing. And then you remember gene pool. It factors. It counts. And so often in life, things don't quite work out the way I had planned and maybe the way you had planned. So we're going to look at four people quickly. I know I've said that a couple times already. I'm not stalling. But three people, their life wasn't what they had hoped. It wasn't what their parents hoped for. It wasn't what their grandparents hoped for. But one of the four, his life turned out exactly like what his dad hoped it would turn out. One child fulfilled, and it just, his, his life just looked like it was supposed to go. The first passage of scripture is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 30, 13 to 22. Luke 23, 13 to 22. And this is the beginning of the Easter weekend. They didn't know it as such. It was a Friday. And there were a couple of people involved in this story. One was a holy man, a a righteous man, a pure man, a godly man. And another was a man who caused riots and was a murderer. And one of these two men, one of these two men was going to die. One of them. And Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, Pilate's a ruler, a, a man in charge. You brought me this man, speaking of a man called Barabbas, you brought me this man, is one who is inciting, I'm sorry, Jesus, the, who is inciting the people to rebellion. And Pilate looked at Jesus and said, I have examined him in your presence, and speaking about Jesus, I have found no basis for your charges against him. The Jewish people were trying to say, Jesus did this, he did this, he did this. And this important official says, I've examined him. It's not true, he's done nothing. And neither is Herod, another ruler, important man. And neither is Herod, for he sent Jesus and sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him, and then I'll release him. But the whole crowd shouted, all the religious people, the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, Jesus. Release Barabbas to us. And Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city, causing a riot, and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And for the third time, Pilate spoke to them and said, why? What crime has this man committed? Speaking of Jesus. I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. And as many of us will know the story, it went on. 
And they shouted even the more, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate had no option but just to wash his hands of the whole thing. He said, his blood be on your heads. We're going to crucify Jesus and let the murderer go. Let the man who caused the riots, we're going to let him go free. And what I find fascinating in here is Barabbas was guilty. Everybody knew he was guilty. And he'd just been released in front of Jesus. The holy man, the pure man, the man who did miracles, the good man. And there's no mention of Barabbas saying, I'm sorry. There's no mention of acknowledging, I'm so guilty. I'm so sorry. But thank you. There's no mention. The only thing we're left to assume from the text is Barabbas just walks away, walks down the steps, a murderer, free man, embraced by his friends, embraced by his family if they're around. He's free, he got out. And Barabbas just walks into history as a guilty man let go and Jesus crucified for crimes he never committed. The crowds went in a murderer and Barabbas just sensing freedom just walks away untarnished, untamed. He's done nothing to deserve death. Speaking of Jesus, all he did was miracles and love. The second story, again one that many of us will be familiar with is Luke chapter 23. Just a little later. Verse 39 to 43, and indeed the crowds and the religious people had their way that day. They thought they had influenced the judicial system. And now Jesus is going to hang on a cross with two other men. And three men are going to be, it should have been Barabbas on the cross. It should have been Barabbas with these other two criminals. But Barabbas is free, just walks away not even seemingly acknowledging with a thanks to Jesus. So instead of Barabbas, now it's these two criminals and a beautiful, perfect man named Jesus. We'll pick it up in verse 39 of Luke 23. And they're all three. They've been nailed to a cross. The scripture says it's one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Jesus. One of the criminals said, Aren't you the Messiah? Of course, he wasn't pointing. (laughs) Save yourself and us. He's mocking, he's jeering. He's a wicked man, he's a criminal, hardened, doesn't care, doesn't, doesn't bothered by his own seeming imminent death. He's mocking this guy who's got a sign over his head, the king of the Jews, I-N-R-I. And this criminal, no remorse, no guilt, no shame, could be crying out to God, could be crying out to mercy for, to the Roman soldiers, not interested, but he sees a man next to him and he knows about Jesus. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, aren't you the Messiah? This one criminal knew exactly who Jesus was said to be. 
You're the Messiah. You're the healer. You're the one that changes people's lives. And now look, you got exactly what I got. Deserves right. But there's another criminal on this side, another thief. In the Gospel of Mark, it says both of them were thieves, these criminals. They stole for a living. But the other criminal over here rebuked the first criminal. This criminal says, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, which is death, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. They both knew exactly who they were being crucified next to. And then this same criminal who understood and had respect and honor for Jesus. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man understood something about Jesus more than just his claim to be a Messiah. He knew it was going to happen. He was confident this man is legitimate, Jesus. And Jesus answered him looking at that criminal. Truly, I tell you, certainly, I guarantee you, young man, today you will be with me in paradise. Proverbs 21, 24, I just just read it this morning. Speaking of the first criminal, the proud and the arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury, angry fury, prejudicial fury, harmful, aimed, targeted fury. The proud and the arrogant I know what I've done and I don't care. I'm just glad you're going down with me. He knows who's next to him. Same verse in the English Standard Version says, scoffer, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. They're thieves. They stole for a living. And so many of us, we, we can't relate to a Barabbas There's probably not many people, I hope, who have actually committed murder in this group. Maybe incited a riot at your home if you're like eight and under. But the two thieves, maybe maybe you've stolen something in your life. I'm not asking for a show of hands. I've got two up. I was raised after El Paso, Texas. We moved to St. Louis in 68, second year of the blues existence. And I went to uh, Arlington United Methodist Church in Bridgeton. It was on top of a street called McKelvey, kind of at the very top of the hill. And my dad dropped me off at church every Sunday because he wasn't going in. I was nine years old. And I went to Arlington United Methodist for three years. And then my dad stopped fighting with me, and I didn't have to go anymore. I retired at the age of 12 from the Methodist faith. But my dad knew a little bit about church. And so every week when I went to Arlington United, anybody go to Arlington United Methodist Church? Whoa, oops. 
What years? I'm just curious. Um, my grandparents attended our I was probably friends of mine. Thank you for saying that. Her grandparents went there. Probably same kids in class with me. Ow. But my dad gave me 25 cents every Sunday because my dad knew that's what you do. And so every Sunday when the sun was out, I would run down the hill with my 25 cents and go to the quick shop and buy candy. I mean, I got 25 cents. God doesn't need my money, right? So every Sunday down the hill, the bad days were rainy days. It was on a hill. You couldn't make a quick slide ride down in the snow. So I had to sit in church and shoot spitballs at We Met Paul's hair. She was French and I had a bushy hair. I loved it. You could see your work. Just... Why do I remember We Met Paul? Are, are, anybody here named We Met Paul? Thank you, Jesus. But I remember as a little kid, I knew it was wrong, but I stole and it's even worse, it's God's money. Well, it was going to be his money. I was helping. But I remembered something was wrong with that. But I developed a habit. And when I was 15 years old, I began working at Carrollton Dairy Queen in Bridgeton. Anybody ever go to Carrollton Dairy Queen? Oh, that's right. Anybody ever go to the Dairy Queen on First Capital Drive in St. Charles? It was owned by... Keith Rogers, and Bob Rogers, and Kevin Rogers. It was a family. And I worked for the three guys, Keith, Kevin, and Bob, from 15 to 18. I wasn't a Christian. And when my friends would come in, oh, wrong crowd. Okay, I will just say, I didn't do good growing up. <laughs> Note to self, don't do this. So my friends would come into Dairy Queen, and my friend would order a Coke, large Coke, 65 cents. So I would give him a Coke, he would give me a dollar, I would give him four quarters back. Math. math. It's a beautiful thing for our math teachers, Elizabeth. What was I doing? Stealing. And I learned as a young person how to steal, how to get away. But I could justify it because it's my friends. Mr. Rogers, he's gone on to be with Jesus, good Lutheran man. He didn't need the money, he was wealthy. And I learned bad habits. I learned what not to do in life. I learned how to be a uh, guilt-free thief until I became a Christian. And then at 18, I got saved, and when I was 21, I was in church, and I heard a sermon from a man, and it was all about um, restitution. It's a beautiful word for paying back what you'd taken with interest. So I took money to Bob Rogers, the owner, the older gentleman, and gave it to him. And it was a, a lot of money for a newlywed. And I, ju I just remember, even though I'd, I was just so guilty, racked with shame of what I'd done, it was just wrong years later. There was one man on a cross knows he's guilty and doesn't care and he's mocking someone perfect. There's another man on this side who knows exactly what he's done. And he has heard about this man named Jesus 
And he's heard he's the Messiah. He's heard he's a good man. He's heard everything he's done. He heals people. He sets people free. He restores people. This is a good man. And this thief had a moment where he could make things right. He said to the other guy, we're getting what we deserve, dude. He's done nothing wrong. And then he looks at Jesus and he does something amazing. He simply says this to Jesus, and this is paraphrased. Help. I'm guilty. Can you do anything for me? Can you help me? And Jesus looks at the thief, and he said, sir, well, again, paraphrased, this day, this very day, because you know what you are, and you're willing to admit it, and you're willing to ask for help, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. You don't have to go to church, sir. You don't have to get an excuse from the priest or the pastor. I hear your heart. I hear your heart change. I hear your cry for help. This day, you'll be with me in paradise. This day. Jesus came to bring people hope. People who needed hope. People who were thieves. People who did things wrong. People who messed up in life. People whose life didn't turn out. You see, three people... Their lives didn't turn out like they thought. Barabbas, I'm sure when he was six years old, didn't think, I'm going to kill, I'm going to murder, and I'm going to cause riots. For Barabbas, life didn't turn out the way he thought. For the two criminals, uh, the thieves, I'm sure at six years old, they didn't think, I'm going to be a professional thief. Their life didn't turn out like what it was. They had messed up big time, all three, Barabbas and the two thieves. But there was one person's life who turned out perfectly, who died that day. Because he came to die for people like me. He came to die for guilty people who were honest enough to simply say, I need help. I've heard you're great. I've heard you're miraculous. I've heard you're merciful. Will you help me? I'm so guilty. What a brilliant man of humility and of understanding. Self-awareness and other awareness. There's one who forgives. There's one who sets free. There's one who can take me and you to paradise that day, which is heaven. Jesus loves flawed people. He loves guilty people. He loves people who have no hope and no help. That's why he came. In Romans 10, and I'll close with this verse. And Romans 10, verse 8 through 10. The day I became a Christian, I was, it was August 3rd of 1977. And I was in my friend's house, Owen. And we were going fishing in the morning. And Owen was a Southern Baptist young man, a drug dealer, a beat up people. He was my best friend. And Owen, as a Southern Baptist, became a Christian two months before. And I'd watched Owen's life, no longer a drug dealer, no longer beating people up. And I, I saw something 
You can't change like that. It's impossible because I know what you are and who you are. And yet he was totally different. And that night in 1977, he, he gave me three or four verses which were total blanks to me. I had never heard of anything about the Bible. I wasn't a good student at the Methodist Church. I'll visit again. I'm going to do better. In Romans 10, verse 8 through 10, Owen Prince shared with me that night this verse. But what does it say? Speaking of the word, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. That if you, Tom, declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That night I gave my life to Jesus and I got off of drugs, got out of a horrific relationship, and I was completely set free. And I became a Christian that night. And I went from being really annoying sinner to a really annoying Christian. <laughs> I was really good at both. Whatever you're good at, be good at it. And that night, my life changed. Because I simply believed that Jesus could do what he said he could do which was change a thief and a sinner and a not very good person. And I didn't have to hide anymore. I didn't have to pretend anymore. I said that night, help. So I'm gonna close with this thought. There may be, you may be here this morning because your grandmother made you promise to come to church. You may be here this morning because your grandson made you promise to come to church. You may be here because you're gonna have a great Easter egg hunt. You may be here because you're gonna go to grandma's house and have an amazing meal this afternoon. You may be here for lots of different reasons. You may have been sitting in this church for five years because your spouse wanted you to be or because your mom and dad still drag you. My parents gave up at the age of 12. I'm not giving you hope. But I went to church because my mom and dad made me go. And I had no grid, no filter. I just knew I didn't want to be there. But there was a day and I recognized I need help. My life is not going in a good way. I'm a disaster waiting to happen. I just hadn't got arrested yet. But my life was ridiculously messed up for the age of 18. So maybe you're here and you need something called help. There's a man named Jesus. He walked the earth 2,000 years ago and he still answers the humble prayer of help. And he still brings hope and life to people who are humble enough and aware enough, I need help. And maybe a second group of people, maybe you grew up in church and you knew Jesus and Life just didn't work out for you. It's so disappointing. It, hasn't, it just hasn't worked. And all the disciples, 
I won't read the story to finish just because of time. But all the disciples were in a house hiding. And it says the women went to check on Jesus in the tomb. I'll make no inference there. But the women were the brave ones. The women went to the tomb. And an angel greeted one of the women and said, Lady, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you looking for the living? There's no one dead here. His name is Jesus and he's alive. And he's risen from the dead. And she got so excited, she ran back to tell all the disciples. Disappointed. It didn't work. Hiding behind locked doors because they figured they're next. And the women said, he's alive. He's alive. But it hadn't worked for the disciples. Life wasn't great. Disappointment. Maybe that's you. Maybe you do know Jesus. But you just kind of gave up on this stuff. It's too painful. Maybe what you've seen from your perspective looks very fraudulent, very money-oriented, referring to Mr. Christ on the video just before I came up. Too much about fog machines, too much about offerings, too much about looking right. I just want you to know Jesus is going to come back for a beautiful bride. People who actually get it figured out, and they're not phonies, and they admit they have real issues and real challenges. Maybe you've given up on, maybe not Jesus, but the church. Can I just give you a gentle encouragement this morning? He's risen, he's alive, and he's coming back for something beautiful called the church that's real, and it's transparent, and it admits its warts and pimples. And Jesus wants you to be part of a family again because he died for it, and he loves the church. He loves it. So maybe you're in the first group. You know you need help. Second group, I just, I need a fresh start. Jesus gives people fresh starts. Can everybody stand, please? I'm going to pray, and then we'll finish, and I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward so you can relax. But I would like to pray. If I could, just... And again, I'm not asking anybody to come forward. You're, you're, you're safe. But I would like to pray for you. If you could, just close your eyes. And you know, wherever you're at, you need help this morning, this morning. You need help this day. It's the end of the road. It's not working, and I need help. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick and say, Jesus, I need help today. Yes, Yes. You put your hand down. Who else? Jesus, I just simply need help. Because he answers prayers. He answers humility. He answers need. Because that's the kind of king he is. Jesus, I thank you for everyone that raised their hand. And I thank you that you are an ever-present help. That's what the Bible says. I pray that you would break into this person's life and that person's life and this person's life today and to show yourself real. And you don't have to just listen to my prayer and at the end of it, if you say amen, say amen. Jesus, I need you. I acknowledge my need for you. I believe you came. You lived a perfect life. 
you hung on a cross as an innocent man to pay for my sins and my guilt. And that you rose from the grave on the third day, as the Bible says. And that you conquered sin and death. And that if someone says help, that they will be with you forever. Jesus, I simply believe. I, as it says in Romans 9, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be with you forever. Please, Jesus, amen. And if that's you, you're welcome to see me afterward. Talk to somebody and say, I prayed this prayer today. But for the second group of people, you've just kind of given up on what Jesus is about, which is his church and what he's building, making beautiful. If that's you and you're just, you're just struggling in life, the church is meant to be a help. The church is meant to be a strength. The church is meant to be where friendships, real friendships in real life, real transparency, real honesty, no phoniness, no pretend, no Sunday suits and Monday living. It's meant to be real. And if that's you, I just want to extend an invitation to you to have a fresh start today, to recommit to the family of Jesus today. Whether that family is Calvary Church, it's just down the street from you. Whether you live in Bonterre and you're here to visit, go to First Baptist Church of Bonterre. Whether you live in St. Louis and you go to Grace or New City, find a family. Plug in, get involved. Obviously, we'd love to have you here, but just a fresh start today with Jesus. And if that's you, I'm gonna pray and just say amen at the end if, if you amen it, amen it. Jesus, I thank you that you never reject me, that you never put shame on me, you never intimidate me, you never bully me, you never guilt me, Jesus. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for life. I thank you for hope. And Jesus, I, I just wanna step back in. I wanna Get back into the family, your family, and trust again, and believe again, and hope again in you and what you're doing through real people called your church. I don't even know where that is yet, Jesus, but would you help me find a safe family? Would you lead me, Holy Spirit, to a safe place where I can be real and honest and grow and find real friends and real life? Jesus, help me today to find family where I can plug in and grow. Father, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you that we get to celebrate you, Jesus, and your resurrection power. Jesus, that yes, we can have fun. We can go to grandma's house and have ham. It's kosher. We can have ham. We can enjoy chocolate. We can enjoy lots of things. But Jesus, never to forget that we remember as you wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, remember Jesus raised from the dead. It's why we have hope. It's why we have life. Bless this amazing people. For any who have need, Father, we just speak health and healing over broken bodies and broken minds. Holy Spirit, do what you're so great at to bring healing. Restore hope. Father, that in families today you do a miracle. I would drop the attitude. I would drop the unforgiveness. I would drop the anger and embrace love that you've given me, Jesus. 
that my family is healed in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to take the first step today. I want to express love today. Bless this church family. Bless every person here today that they would find you and remember you're good and ask for help. Amen? Amen. If you need-